for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 470 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is another great doubleheader episode, and it all starts off with Gerald J. Jones back again, this time to talk about episode 2 of Driver 8. Here's how it's described. Driver 8 issue number 2 is the explosive 30-page second issue of the near-future science fiction comic Driver 8, taking you further beyond reality's edge. He's got a Kickstarter going on right now to support it, and we discuss what's going on in the series in the second issue, as well as what we can expect in the future. Then everything wraps up with my first interview with Aaron Pohara, the creator of the Book of Lyaxia. It's a great fantasy title that I think you'll enjoy. This book is described this way. There is an eternal war between gods. Two brothers of royal blood want to break the cycle. But what is the cost? This book is released by Second Sight Publishing, and it's part of their second verse line. We talk about how the book came to be, we talk about identical twins and what that means to me, as well as what we might expect from the series in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what both of them have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Gerald J. Jones, the creator of Driver.8. That's the way that it's on the cover. I want to make sure I get that straight. And you've got a Kickstarter going for the second chapter in this, or ep- I guess it's episode, second episode. So yeah. how are you doing, Gerald? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's good to talk with you. I love the first issue, and luckily you made the second issue available. So I should say it's that episode. I keep saying issue. But the second episode, which is really good. Refresh my memory. How many episodes are going to be in this story? We're going to shoot for 12, um, kind of do uh, four-issue seasons. So um, three, four-issue seasons, and culminating with uh, the 12th issue. Okay, so the, uh, the Kickstarter is going on right now as this posts. Tell me when it's going to conclude. Uh, it's going to conclude on the 18th of February. So about roughly a month. Yeah, roughly a month. Okay, and I would refresh my memory how the first one went. First one went really well. Um, you know, we exceeded our goal by quite a bit, so you know, we were able to, to put the second one uh, to the grindstone and I got it churned out a little bit later than I was hoping, but um, that's kind of the theme for the year is just nothing's going the right way, or at least the theme for last year. Um, so we're hoping 2021 will um, make things go a little bit faster and get a few more issues put out. That'd be good. Now, uh, on a Kickstarter page, what does it say as to when do you expect the, the book to be ready? Um, the book is 100% done. So uh, basically as soon as um, Kickstarter sends us the funds, uh, we'll ship it off to the printer and um, should have everything by March um, for the backers. 
Oh, boy, that'll be good. I, I like the fact that something is done ahead of time. And I guess I should have known that when I looked at the book, because the book looks all done when I got a chance to read it. So very good. So um, the trick about this book, and I think I encountered this last time, is it's really difficult to talk about without spoiling things. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to trust you to tell me what kinds of things we can and can't talk about because uh this is a really fascinating story. I I love science fiction. I love this kind of thing. Uh it's just a great great story. Now, why don't you give the general overview of what Driver 8's about? General overview um Driver 8 is um, this gentleman named Paul McGann. Uh, Paul decided to leave his entire life behind to take this job as an agent um, or a driver. Um, and basically what that is, is he goes in, goes into this uh, virtual world. And since the virtual world is always running, he's got to go in and uh, take care of any programming glitches or what have you. Uh, the virtual world is designed to train uh, different AIs and everything um, from, you know, an AI that might run your microwave to a policeman AI. And the entire um, virtual world is designed around to learn around a, or for the AIs to learn in a real world setting. And they don't know that they're AIs. They're programmed to think that they're human so they can learn as much about their job in relation to humans as possible. But as a consequence of that, the simulation's always got to keep running. So that's what these driver agents are for. They go in and um, take care of any glitches that manifest themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, and I think you've actually spoiled a little bit at the end of the first issue. We don't really know a lot of the AI business until we get to the end of the first issue. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That's so being like second issue, you kind of gotta kind of <laughs> gotta say some of it. Otherwise, well, that's, um, that's the thing about this book. It's so interesting and intricate. And that I, I, I'm nervous about asking questions because there's some things that if I ask a question, I might reveal a little something. I hate to do that on some levels, but I guess the first issue is already out and been out for a little while. So I guess we should consider that fair game. Yeah, yeah, that's fair game. And then I would say um, anything with um, the doctor and nurse and then the last uh, few pages probably would be be spoiler territory. But anything else would be fair game. Okay, so I I, it's, I have to ask Paul McGann. Yeah, isn't that, that the name of a of a doctor? One of the Doctor Who characters. It is. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's the, the name of the um, eighth Doctor actually. That that was the one in the movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the one in the movie, and then he had his own little um, special um, here a few years back. Mm -hmm. I saw another Doctor Who reference somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. But there's another reference to Doctor Who somewhere in, in the second book. There is. Um, and I guess I could tell right now I've named the, you know, the first several driver agents according to the, the doctor actors that played them. Oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> I kept, I said, that sounds like a doctor name to me. I, I you know, I, I hate to spoil stuff like that because that's kind of fun to, to discover. But on the other hand, you know, it might be something that might push somebody over the edge to going in and, and supporting it. So. You never know. Those kinds of fun things can happen. And I liked it a lot. It's, I mean, we might cover some ground like we did before, but, you know, it's been a while and people may not have the chance to go back and listen to the last time we talked. Tell us a little bit about where the story idea came from for you. Well, um, 
The story originated with, um, unsurprisingly, the song Driver Aid by R.E.M., but instead of a literal meaning of the lyrics, I kind of took like the loneliness um, that the the person the song was about, the, the train conductor, and just, you know, kind of this isolation that he was feeling. And, you know, it just seemed like it's almost like the same routine every day and um, nothing changes and just feel so isolated. So I, I took that feeling and, um, you know, crafted a character and then a story that he would, he could fit into and, and this world around that. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I find interesting about the book, and it's true from the first book too, because I, I didn't know there was uh, AI stuff involved until we get to the very end. It's, you know, in the second book, we seem to, now that we know that, we kind of go back and forth a little bit between the the AI existence and the quote unquote real existence, right. which is something. And I, I think you did a great job, by the way. I have to say, doing that and making those leaps back and forth, I thought was really nicely done. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> At the very beginning of the book, and I hope it doesn't spoil too much, but there's a Paul is talking to what looks like other versions of himself. Yes. And let's just say they they show that they're not real people somehow, <laughs> <laughs> which I had to laugh when I started when they start to uh, reveal that I was like, what are they doing? And all of a sudden we find out. And I was, <clears throat> let's just say these multiple versions actually chase after him at one point. And it's funny to see them transformed into well, well th- it's something that lets us know that they're not real people because they couldn't real people couldn't do this but it's such a funny little bit i i had to laugh when i saw it and then of course you know when he starts to wake up and stuff (laughs) (laughs) it's all uh it's the the great thing about this book another great thing and i love the first issue and the same thing goes is the there's an undercurrent of humor involved that i really like i you know because something like this could be extremely serious and extremely Deadly, I suppose, is the way we, we could look at it. But instead, you you have this undertone of humor. I mean, like for example, his uh, his manager or supervisor, the guy that's in charge, he talks in a really odd way. You know, to the side. I can't imagine a boss talking like that. But that that, of course, is the is part of the fun of this is to make him. I, I, I gosh, I, I, I this is just a guess on my part. I wonder if he's really alive or is this another AI trying to that that's scheduled or made to seem human in some ways that it's it's got a little overdone somehow. I mean that don't you don't have to spoil that you don't have to answer that at all that that might be something we'll find out later on because we've got 12 issues to get through. <laughs> but I just I I I don't know a boss that acts like that which of course adds to the humor of it. And of course, it makes me wonder because we've—he's asking, Paul's asking the boss, "Well, why are you an image?" You know, sometimes, and he said, "Well, why aren't you really here?" And he gives a, an, an explanation for that that I didn't buy, frankly. But uh, there's, there's all these wonderful things going on. I'm never a hundred percent sure. And of course, one of the great characters in this book is the proxy. The you know the, yeah. with the live person, and they've got the the computer intelligence that's going along and helping them, and like they go by the name of Proxy, and Proxy makes me think more about the boss. That that's what makes me because Proxy and the boss often talk to each other. 
They do. And I'm kind of like, uh, I wonder, are they, you know, parts of the same thing? And, you know, you don't have to spoil that. It's just a guess on my part, just because I was, as I was reading it, I got, I got a kick out of it. But uh, it's such an interesting book in the sense that I don't know what's going on. And I love not knowing what's going on. I love to find out. And, And you are doing a great job of unfolding things slowly. Which I like. I, I don't want like it when people just blatantly, th- you know, say the whole thing, you know, right off the bat. There was a, a Batman. Uh, it was a year long uh, story, and in issue twenty six came out weekly, and in issue twenty six they revealed who the big bad was, and people criticized the writer because why did you wait so long? Well, he said that it, it was a year long story, and I didn't want to reveal right from the beginning. I wanted to make it open slowly and you're kind of doing something similar with the 12 issue storyline so it's fun to watch you slowly unfold things and we have to kind of pay attention and i love a book that makes me pay attention so i think this is great oh well thank you um, it's, it's always a challenge when writing something to, to balance about what i can reveal uh what needs to stay hidden if i've revealed my hand too much on certain things and, you know, if I do reveal something, well, then again, that's got to turn over and, you know, put other questions in people's minds. You know, it can't just be a reveal for the sake of a reveal. It's got to lead to something more interesting. And, it, and it's always a kind of a high wire act to, to balance all that out. But um, I, I am glad that you, you did notice the, the Doctor Who naming. That, that does make me happy. Um, mm. He says, like at one point, he says, "Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey." I don't know a boss that would ever do that. So I, this is the, unless he's just that kind of a boss. There are some unusual bosses out there that that don't mind those things. But to me, I just kind of looked at it and went, "That is so odd," you know. And even Paul is kind of what? <laughs> what he says? Yeah, he he even remarks, you know, why is the driver control master acting like this? So. You know that's that's something we'll we'll definitely you know, delve into a little bit more of the driver control master and what he does and you know what he does when he's not around Paul um, a little bit more next issue. See, I like Paul because he's a very human person with all these things, and it's just an odd thing to say, I guess, but he has the the human aspects that make him a lot of fun to go along. He's not. You know, government agents and stuff, we always get the men in black in, is in our heads and, you know, they're all tightly wound and stuff like that. But he is a an average person in how he does things. And I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the whole or one of the main parts of his character is that, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's he's kind of a loser in his own eyes. Um yeah, I imagine that the ad for, you know, being a driver agent sounded kind of glamorous, but the qualifications were probably something to the effect of, you know, being good at playing World of Warcraft or video games or or something like that because you're, you know, delving into the simulation, um, which is, you know, also part of the fun disconnect. You know, people are expecting, you know, him to be, you know, kind of, like you said, kind of stilted in the beginning because he's, an agent and you know the fact that he's not the fact he doesn't look like he's trained and um you know what happens at the end of the issue happens you know you're kind of wondering well what's going on well you know that clarifies it more in in the second issue mm-hmm. well paul gets a big surprise at yes, one point <laughs> i don't want to even i don't in any way want to even begin to hint at it because you can see by his face he's shocked 
And I'm shocked <laughs> when we get to see what's going on or, or, or when he sees what is something happening. And immediately when I saw that, I went, wait a second here. You know, there's there's a lot more going on than I thought. So I'm I, I, I'm so interested to see. This is like I said, this is a great job of teasing us and pulling us through and making us want to find out more, which I really like. And no, you, you've actually got parallel storylines going through. You've got the Paul and then you've got the other driver. Right. What and number Jody, is she? She's yeah, 14. What num- 14, yeah. yeah. She is, well, they've, they've run into a police officer initially. And uh, Jody ends up hanging with the police officer in part of it, which it's kind of fun to watch those two interact. You know, uh, Paul doesn't make a good impression with her. The, the police no, not at all. <laughs> and so the two of them, they actually hit it off some. I think two women, they, they, they find things that they can relate to. Uh, using a gun happens to be something that they have in common. And there's all kinds of really interesting dialogue that they have. Particularly, I really enjoyed when the two of them talk to each other. Even when they're they're shooting, they're talking to each other and they're discussing (laughs) what's next and what we should do and and all those kinds of things. And I really thought, as much as I thought Paul was particularly human, these two are the most real when they're talking to each other. I really found that good. uh, Woman-to-woman conversation, especially in an action sequence – is always interesting to me because I, I, we don't get enough of that in comics or in uh, media, uh, in my opinion. So to see this, th- that discussion and to see what they do, and of course they get to be, you know, action heroes on some levels, and it's so much fun to do that. Did you? Th- was that one of the things you wanted to accomplish with this, uh, with this series to to have those two kind of do more uh, action things? Yeah, um, you know, I, I've always, you know, believed that the only real female characters to write are strong female characters, and every woman's strong in their own way. And you know, to to write them as a cardboard cutout is is just kind of a disservice. Um, you know, I'm not like a big social justice advocate or anything, but I just, you know, I'm more of an advocate of of realism, I guess. Um, take after the school of Henry James and. Um, you know, I, I grew up with, um, you know, strong characters, female characters like Ripley and, and the aliens, um, Ivanova in Babylon 5, uh, you know, different other characters. And, you know, just to, you know, have that, I think, um, in also a lot of respects, too, um, you know, you see that that does mean a lot to people. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy writing strong female characters. Uh, well, you know, I got tired of Lois Lane a long time ago. I have to say, her evolution has definitely improved the character. You know, she was originally trying to get super, you know, the, the old joke, she's trying to trick Superman into a loving relationship, you know, way back in the 40s and stuff like that. But now, now that they're actually married, I actually like Lois a lot more because she is, you know, as the reporter and stuff like that, she is somebody, she's actually bailed out. Superman a time or two, which I always yeah. So I like that. So I see some of that more modern 
uh, more up to date feel in the two characters, and that's interesting that they get along so well. You know, I, it's you know they one knows more than the other one does as to what's happening, but she's dropping hints to her a little along the way, and then there's a something happens that allows her to tell a secret or two. And the officer is kind of glad to find that out. And I, part of it, I think, is this, this you know, the, the female buddy thing that they're developing. And it's fun right. to, for them to talk to each other. Um, did, you, you mentioned that you've had a lot of strong, uh, strong female characters that uh, you're, you're exposed to. Are there any ones in particular that you based these two women on or are they uh, products of your imagination? Uh, these two are mainly just um, you know products of my imagination. I didn't really have a a template in mind um, for who they should be. Uh, I know I picked a, a couple of actresses to give the artist a reference, but I couldn't even tell you who they are now. I was just trying to find someone who you know fit the look in my mind for them. Um, but you know, I, again, it's you know, it's always fun to to write strong female characters and. You know, as I said before, I don't really think there's any any other type because, you know, all women are strong in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have to be slinging a gun around. Um, but but yeah, I had a, I did have a lot of fun with uh, you know the kind of the buddy cop dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Well, now let me ask you: You've got ten more issues to go. Are we going to meet more female characters as the story unfolds? And you don't say who, but okay, just that's that's good to know. Yeah, yeah we will. Um, yeah, the the next issue is it's not much of a spoiler because you know you see the little blurb for it in the you know in the back next to the letter column, but you know we'll be having some fun with um, UFOs and the simulation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cool because I, I really, <laughs> uh, I I'm so terrified of spoiling something. I just this this it it's one of those great stories that if you pull a piece out, the whole it's like those little uh, games where you have like a a tower that's built out there, and if you pull the wrong thing out, the whole tower comes down. And it's that way with the story. If I pull on the wrong part, I'm going to reveal a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. Well, just don't reveal that they're all living on Mars, and uh, we'll be good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's it's such a great book in in the sense that there's strange little twists in the story moving along the way. And something happens to the officer that kind of – and I don't want to spoil that either, but let's just say she doesn't come through this unscathed. No, no, she's going to – yeah, she's going to have a couple scars by by the end of the issue. And it makes sense, you know, because uh, see, if you're involved in something, and this is one thing about the X Files that used to drive me nuts, or that I I actually liked, and other sci-fi shows always drive me nuts when people get involved in the unknown and they come through unhurt or unscathed in any way. I mean, the X Files—they were uh, Mulder and Scully were forever ending up in the hospital, and I liked that because <laughs> you're dealing with the unknown how can you possibly be prepared there was one time they were in a jeep and these little green fluorescent bugs got all in there oh yeah and, and they ended up in the hospital and i'm sitting there going yes how can they possibly get away without being hurt and they don't know how to protect from, from these things and so for me i really like that and it's the same thing with this story i like the fact that there's danger involved yeah, um, no one is, is really safe. Um, you know, put it like that. Which I like. I, I like danger to be in there. I don't 
I don't want to see people just, you know, you know, not everybody's invulnerable. Not everybody gets away with stuff. And to see them, you know, interact and we get to know the people as a result of the interaction. And we also get to see what they do, which is great stuff. So if you had to describe the second issue to folks, how would you describe it? What, what kind of language would you use to tell people uh, what the second issue accomplishes? Um, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I've always said I'm good at writing, but I'm horrible at describing my writing. Um, <laughs> even on the Kickstarter, I kind of just, um, it's like, I don't know what to say. I'll just kind of modify the tagline from the last Kickstarter and use that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, well, the story moves forward. I, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Let's start uh, with that. And um, we get to know Paul better. We do. Um, you know, if we, we find out a little bit of his background, um, and, you know, kind of just his, his thought process and, you know, kind of what, um, has gone on in his life beforehand mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll keep, um, keep throwing that in. I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks. So, um, I, I like things that kind of develop naturally. Uh, it used to drive me crazy when watching Lost cause the whole thing was, you know, one giant flashback. But then again, the story itself was so interesting. I had to keep watching it. So. Yeah. You know, I always used to hate the, they made these Perry Mason movies and what they did was we'd watch for two hours and we had no idea who did it until suddenly like two minutes before the movie's going to end, this one fact gets revealed and everything becomes clear. And I was like, you know, I, I, why don't I just turn in the last two minutes and find out what's going on? Why do I have to watch the whole thing? But see, what, what you're doing is you are telling us little bits and pieces as we go along. And I like that. I, I want to sit there and kind of like I'm thinking about the boss and I'm thinking about, you know, the, the different agents and, and uh, the drivers and what they do and what they mean. You know, it, it's something really interesting to me to look at because I, I like something that challenges my thinking and makes me I, I'm trying to understand what's going on. And I, I, I love that about Driver 8 in the sense that it's a very complex story. It's not that it's. Uh, indecipherable it is i can figure out what's happening to some degree and that makes it all the more fun for me to read is to be able to say okay that this piece goes over here and this might mean this and if you like solving puzzles like i do then you're going to love this book because it's it's got all kinds of wonderful little pieces floating that you have to pick out and say okay this moves this direction and this is going to go this way and i i love that when I read. So that's, that's one of those things I really love about the books. Well, thank you. Um, you know, the, the thing for me is, yeah, I try to write a book that I would enjoy reading. So I, I put meaning in just about everything. Hardly anything is, is there by accident, whether it's, you know, um, the doctor who references to their names or, um, you know, other stuff. Um, so, you know, if someone's rereading it and then something might just click for them, or, you know, they, they Google a certain um, line from the book. Maybe they'll come across a, you know, a character motivation and be like, oh, okay, so that's that. But well, wait, why did he say that that way? And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just, just fun little stuff that you can enjoy it if you, you know, just read it through. But if you go back and reread it, um, you'll find um, a lot more. And, you know, try and just, you know, something to keep people busy there's nothing I hate more than a comic book that takes two minutes to read. 
Um, I remember the first Star Wars, um, when Marvel got it back, uh, Star Wars number one, I was reading it, I was enjoying it. And then at the very end, I think Luke confronted Vader and I'm like, okay. And then it was over. And, you know, it was literally less than a five minute read. And But then I had all these pages and I just scanned through them and those were just art and script and things like that. So, you know, I want to give, you know, especially on Kickstarter, um, people, you know, the ability to feel that they've um, they've gotten their money's worth. And, you know, that, that's very important to me no matter what I write. Mm-hmm. Well, this will be fun because it's you're doing that. You are unfolding things in, in such a way that it keeps me puzzled and keeps me interested. I've got to know what's going on. So I'm, I'm really going to en- enjoy this. This is, of course, you've got 12 issues. you got this is the second one. So this is, of course, this is a great time to jump on board because I'm sure uh, you know, on the uh, Kickstarter, you can get the first and the second issue. Let's say you didn't participate in the first Kickstarter. You could probably get both of these issues. So this is it's not too late to come on board and, and get into this story. Right. Um, and we're actually part of um, Kickstarter's pilot add-on program, similar to what uh, Indiegogo has. So you can actually add on the first issue. Um, there's a tier with both books, uh, physical books. And um, then all, all pledges come with uh, both digital files of issues one and issue two. So try to make it really easy for people to, to get on and, and catch up. And uh, we'll be continuing to do that uh, kind of thing throughout um, the, the next issues. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's a couple other aspects of the book because I don't want to. I'm, I'm terrified of spoiling the story, but there's a couple of other ed- things in the in the issue that I really get a kick of, of out of. And one of them is you've already talked about. There's a letters column. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and I got a kick out of the fact that Proxy is the one who answers the letters. I found that very funny. Yeah, I mean, I can I can get away with a lot more with writing as proxy than I can as an anonymous editor, I think. But um, yeah, I was uh, we were getting ready to put the you know put the first book out, and uh, you know I'm just going through it. and I'm like, you know, there's I like it, but there's just something missing, and I can't put my finger on it. And then it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. Well, two things were missing: uh, the letter column and then the the advertisement at the back. So. You know, I, I got a hold of my artist and, you know, Jorge Gabato, like I, I've mentioned many times, he's a drawing machine. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a robot himself. He just does such tremendous work in such a short amount of time. You know, he did the first um, ad in the back for us. And then um, I got busy doing the, the letter column. And, you know, just, it just felt the book felt complete at that point for me just because, you know, it just reminded me of, you know, all the fun we used to have going over the letters, um, mm-hmm. you know, back when I was a kid. And. I just comics just lost something when when they took out that letter column and said, "Oh, you can visit us in the forums," and I'm like, well, yeah, but this is just not the same. Because mm-hmm. I was actually fortunate enough to have a letter that I had sent him when I was a kid, printed in one of the Avengers. Oh, nice. Books. So I, to this day, I have a little copy of the image of it. You know, I don't have the book anymore, but I have the, the like a scan of it so I can look at it and see about it was. <laughs> I, I complained bitterly that there was some, <laughs> some row, rowdy language in the Avengers, shall we say, <laughs> back in those days. And uh, they, I guess that, and I also am a big fan of the Black Knight. So they, they put that in there to talk about the Black Knight. Who's getting a book? these days but anyway uh the one one of the letters made me laugh was um somebody from florida actually says are you going to enslave us like the skynet ai 
<laughs> Which I got a kick out of. And I, the answer, I, I daren't do it because it's hilarious, the answer to that. And if you want to read a really funny response, read that one. That's the last of the letters on the page. And God, it made me laugh out loud when I saw it. It was so funny. Uh, references to Skynet and talking about who Skynet is and <laughs> talking about Siri, for example. So they, I always talk about the fact that Alexa and Siri get into an argument because you walk into the house and you say, uh, Siri, turn on the sound sound. And, and Alexa goes, hey, who's, who's the Siri girl? You know, I'm, I'm Alexa. So I always kind of thought those were going to be, you know, two of them are going to fight. And you mentioned Alexa and Siri in there about that. So I, there's a whole bunch of wonderful stuff in there that I daren't even start to talk about because it's going to be wonderful to, for people to read. It's, it's a funny letters column and I just like that. So it's, it's really well done. I have to say it's Thank nice you. to read Thank that. There's one other thing that happens after the letters column that I got a kick out of. It's on the top. It says faux advertisement. Mm-hmm. And I got a kick because we see Paul in what's called the snacking cat catastrophe. <laughs> and, yes. you know, because this is, uh, you were talking about the fact there's no advertising and stuff like that. Yeah. This is, it, it alludes to, well, I hate to say this, but there's a company right now that's doing this very thing, uh, has cakes that are being advertised in their comics shall we say so i had to laugh even more when i saw that because it, it reminded me i said oops uh, let's hope the other company's not looking at this particular page <laughs> <laughs> and i love the 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 catch line it says drive away hunger with hostess blink uh binklage i guess it is cakes and i got a huge one of course the drive away was the thing that made me laugh i thought that's that's great that's witty. I like that stuff. Um, I don't know if I, I know that um, in the in the uh, the printed ed- edition of the the first issue, uh, people could find in the back um, another a different um, for a mostus uh, snack pies. Um, I believe it's called Sidrat Snack Attack. Um, mm. Didn't get in the digital copy. I need to actually go revisit that and put that in for. Um, for this one. Um, cause again, you know, we gotten everything ready and it was just like literally like three days before I had to send it off to the printer. I'm like, this is still missing something. So that's when in the first issue at the end, the letter column and then the, the first faux advertisement were, were born. <laughs> now there's something else that kind of interests me. And I think this is true for both issues on the, I think it's on the, is it the back page? Yeah. It's on the back page, back cover. There's a Bible verse. Yes. I, I, uh, and you know the the interesting thing because I'm a little more familiar than maybe some people are. There's you you quote one of the Bible verses and you actually list the version that it's quoted from. Not many people realize there are several different versions of the Bible going around. And I I looked down. Wow, I said this is really interesting. So talk about why that's there. I mean, what does that accomplish as far as the book goes? Um, it's, uh, foreshadowing, um, trying to think of the, the least spoilery way to say it. Um, <laughs> um, part of the advertising, it, it, you know, says that, um, you know, near future science fiction beyond the edge of reality, 
um, takes place during humanity's last days. So, um, you know, let's see, I probably should leave it at just that, but okay. Um, okay. I, I will say I, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed, um, you know, like, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Tag and Mink are dead. Uh, there's a Babylon five episode where, you know, just kind of the idea, like all this epic stuff is happening, but you know what's going on with the people. You know how do they react to it? The everyman, you know, the Joe Schmo going about his job. Um, so um, you know, I, I like to explore that. So um, we'll kind of leave it at that on for now on the, on the Bible verses. So the Bible verses alluding to issue three, um, or is that issue two? It's kind of alluding to probably more the end of the story. We'll just we'll put it like that. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. Well, then I, wa- I was going to quote the verse, but maybe I won't because it might give away a little something. To, to, well, I'm not, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't mean the end of the uh, issue two. I mean like the end of the story in general. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, twelve yeah. issue at the twelfth yeah. issue. So we'll we'll go on with that. So. Um, yeah, see, that, that's, I, I'm so interested because the Bible seems to be popping up, especially in comics, it seems like these days. There's a lot of interesting things with, with biblical, people using biblical references for stuff, so I'm just fascinated by that. But anyway, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and there's the uh, Limitless, Lim, uh, Limitless Comics Group, and there's an ad for a Kickstarter coming in spring called Mrs. Vengeance. Yes. Is that another one of your creations? Um, it is, yes. Um, okay. Mrs. Vengeance um, is born out of my desire to write The Shadow. Um, more than anything else in the world, the one comic or book I would write, comic I would write, would be The Shadow. And I can't do that right now, so I you know, kind of went the Sam Raimi route and created my own character, uh, Mrs. Vengeance. And so she's more of a, um, you know, pulp noir type character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, she's interesting. It's a black and white page, interestingly. Is the, uh, is the book with her in it going to be black and white? It will be, yes. And that's actually um, part of one of the pages there. Um, so we're actually seeing the, the interior art for the first time. Cool. Very cool. Because she looks interesting because she's got sort of a smoky or a misty thing around her cape or something tends to be mm-hmm. supernaturally kind of looking and stuff like that. So yeah, the shadow definitely has a thing about it. It's nice that you made her again, a female character, which is kind of fun. So I like that. Mrs. Vengeance. That's, that's you have to wonder, of course, my, uh, being a guy, I always wonder who's Mr. Vengeance. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll have to buy the book to find out, you know, Maybe so. Maybe so. Remember her name, it says on there. So I think that's pretty cool. So there's a, this is a really great book. And again, tell us when it's going to conclude the, the Kickstarter. Kickstarter will conclude um, February 18th. 18th. So now's the time to jump on board. Don't wait. Uh, you know, we want Gerald not to have to uh, get those daily heart attacks when you get a <laughs> Kickstarter and, you know, you refresh and nobody has supported it in the last couple of minutes. And, you know, the, well, I don't know too many people who run Kickstarters who just like, they're, they're physically and emotionally exhausted by the end of it. It's a lot easier on Gerald and, and uh, people working with him. If we get in there and we get that goal met right away and then we get into stretch goals, 
he knows he's getting his money and that's a good way to do it. So we should be doing that for, for Gerald here. Now, are there other projects you're working on that we should be uh, aware of or are these guys going to be keeping you busy for a while? Uh, right now, these will be um, keeping me busy. Um, every now and then I do um, spare covers for um, for Anthony Moore, the the owner of Limitless Comics. And I, I, do, I did some of the covers for um, issues one and two of uh, Driver 8, and I did one alternate cover for Mrs. Vengeance. Um, so I do um, some cover work there. But um, as far as writing, these, these two are going to keep me busy for, um, for quite a while. On uh, Mrs. Vengeance, I, I know I put spring in there, and I might have to change that before we go to print. Um, I just kind of hit me the idea earlier today to, like, well, instead of, you know, breaking it out like people normally do, issue one, then Kickstarter for issue two, then issue, Kickstarter for issue three, maybe do issues one, two, and three, because it's a limited series of three issues. Uh, just do all those on one Kickstarter. So um, I haven't quite made up my mind on on that yet. There's an interesting thing uh, in the credits on the inside cover. It says, what is real? How do we define real? To the characters in a television show, movie, or book, they are as real to each other as you and I are to each other. Yet we deem them not real. This is a really interesting... <laughs> I, is that kind of a limitless comics idea, or is that having to do specifically with Driver 8? Uh, this more to do with uh, Driver 8. Um, I realized in the, the first issue I used up all my thank yous. I didn't have anyone else to thank. So I thought, well, why don't I just use that space to put in, um, you know, just kind of fun little blurbs for anybody who's who's paying attention. Well, I like those kinds of things. I See, I'm one who reads it from cover to cover. I, I don't want a book to last me five minutes. I want to, if I see something in there, I want to get in there and, and read the stuff. But you've even under the, the credits, it says, you are not ready, the light. Of all featured characters, and <laughs> it's in there. So there's all kinds of little things. If you get to read the stuff, you're going to find some really great little tidbits in there that's going to enjoy it. Now, one of the things that's mentioned in there too, I think we should also make sure people know, is that you have a website, driver8comic.com. Right. Um, eventually, it's going to be a full a full fledged website. Right now, it just it just points to the Kickstarter. Um, but the idea is for the future to, um, you know, have a nice functioning website, um, be a part off of uh, limitlesscomicsgroup.com. You people will be able to go and buy back issues um, whenever we're not having a Kickstarter and you kind of just expand um, the lore a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. This is, this is uh, Limitless Comics. Uh, you mentioned there's a, a guy who who runs it. Uh, are, are you part of the organization for that, or did they pick up your comic? How did you get involved with Limitless? Um, you know, I started helping Anthony out um, oh, two or three years ago, um, just doing some graphic work. And, um, you know, he's put out probably about eight books now uh, himself. So he just, you know, we actually just got um, another one of his books, um, The Youngins Funded about a, a teen um, superhero group. And, um, you know, he's, you know, he, I talk about Jorge being a machine. Anthony literally is a machine when it comes to writing. Uh, you know, he's got all these great ideas and stories coming out. Um, so long story short, um, you know, I was helping him. And then, you know, I got the idea for driver eight and I was like, Hey, um, I got this idea for a comic. He's like, well, okay, let me hear it. And I, me being me, I had the entire script for the first issue written out and, you know, the rest is, is history after that. 
Cool. Well, that's great. See, uh, it's so much easier. I have to tell you, as somebody who has seen people who have been suggesting comics, sometimes I get like a paragraph. I see a paragraph to somebody, and that's all there is to it. And I'm like, well, what's the story? Oh, well, I haven't gotten that far yet. Well, get get busy, you know, because nobody's going to pick up an idea or write a TV script based on an idea. I, I used to help people write scripts for a, a Star Trek fan film. And this one guy, one, one friend of mine said, I've got this idea for the, 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 the doctor on Voyager develops the cure for the phage, which if you know the show, that was a deal where they kind of took over people's bodies and stuff. And we were a bunch of us sitting there and we all went, and that's a nice idea, but what does that mean as far as things going? So you you are ahead of that game, which I'm I'm, I'm very pleased to hear because I love a good story. You're a storyteller rather than an idea person, so that's great. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I will so, say I do know what the very last panel of the series is going to be. Oh, well, I got I, I know it's way in advance, but is there a, a possibly after this story is done more in the Driver Eight universe you might be interested in telling? It, um, well, that'd probably be spoilery if I if I said anything. Okay, okay. Well, we won't get too far then. We won't worry about that. We just have to get the books to find out those good things. Yeah. Um, if people want to follow you on social media, how do they do that? You got Driver Eight Comic dot com. What about social media? Uh, social media. Um, I'm on Twitter every now and then at JJJ. Let me JJ. Yeah, JJ Jones seven five four. Don't remember how many J's I put in my own name. Um, uh, Instagram JJJ seven five four, and then on um, Facebook, um, just look for um, Limitless Comics. Uh, look for Anthony Moore, and then find um, him tagging Jerry Jones. Um, by, Professionally, I'm Gerald J. Jones. Um, everybody just calls me Jerry. Um, I've, I've tried to go through so many different, um, you know, pen names. It, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> I was originally going uh, back when I, I did my um, backup story for Image Comics Paradigm. I went by J.J. Jones. And then I found out that um, there's another J.J. Jones out there who writes um, such intriguing stories as Touched by a Werewolf. And publish those on Amazon. So it's like, okay, yeah, I don't want to be associated with that. Um, <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's good stuff because this Driver 8 is a great book. I'm glad the first one ended up so well. And I'm hoping for the same for this. I hope that we actually get – it's even uh, faster that uh, you get the, the – money uh, pledged to you and get those good things done. So I, I want to read the whole story. I want to know what is coming because there's a lot I can see. I can still see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Even in issue two, I kind of have an idea where you might be going, but I want to know, I want to, I want to read the whole story. So I, I, I want to see the whole thing. I don't want to get stuck in the left in the middle of the story. I want to be able to get to the end. So that'll be great stuff. So just keep it up. You, you're doing wonderful stuff. The uh, issues one and two are just terrific. I think that they are so great and so thoughtful and so expressive and so interesting that uh, we got to do more driver eight. I just got to see it. So just keep oh, up the good you. stuff and much thank success. You. Oh, thank you. And you know, if you ever have Eric Larson on, you might just nudge those two issues his way and um, <laughs> go from there. Okay. I haven't tried to get him. That's somebody I might have to try to get. We'll, we'll see. People need 
dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Great to welcome to the podcast, Aaron Pahara, the creator of a fascinating book called The Book of Lyaxia. It comes out from Second Sight Publishing. And the first issue I see is, is together. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Wayne? It's good to talk with you. Good. I'm, I'm, I met you first at, I think it was Megacon. I think you had yeah. a booth in Megacon. Yeah, I believe it was Megacon last year. I, I think I have one of your cards still, and um, it's just. Oh, cool. <laughs> but yes, we definitely met there. It was one of my first big shows. I did um, a Clearwater Library show back in 2019, and that was kind of my first foray into actual signings and stuff. And then MegaCon um, was my actual multi day, my first multi day uh, convention that I went to. How was that for you? I mean, the, the firsts are always the one you remember. So what was it like to, to have a booth at Megacon for you? It was, I mean, it was definitely uh, different because I've been to that show so many times as a guest and, and being on the other side of it was exhilarating and, and terrifying at the same time. So. Oh, you're not alone. That's, that's, that's I know so many people <clears throat> who have gone to cons for many, many years, and suddenly they have a comic and they have a booth, and it's so different when you're on the other side. You know, I, I say that because I, a lot of people listen to this podcast who are creators themselves, and it's such an interesting experience to uh, – to be on the other side of the table for a change. So is that the only one you've done so far? Uh, no, I did. Um, I did the MegaCon. I did uh, Tampa Bay Comic Con um, in 2019. Um, I did a couple of store signings. I did like um, EC3 um, signing with a bunch of other super talented uh, local creators. Um, that was super fun. That was like a multi person signing that I did. Um, but con-wise, those would be the only two. 2020 was supposed to be kind of, let's do a lot of cons, and then 2020 happened, and I did no cons. <laughs> uh, uh, I, 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 there's, I've seen some starting up. In fact, the last Sunday, there was a local one, because I'm Central Florida, too, and uh, I, I, several people went to a local con. Oh, don't even remember the name of the top of my head, but it was in the land, I think. And I saw there's some people 
we've been on this podcast with there, like Roland Mann from uh, Silver Silverline was there, and these other people were there and stuff like that. And I there there was a weekend when two of them were going on at the same weekend. Actually, there was three in December. There was a uh, uh, Spooky Empire had something. And then there was um, uh, two others that were going on at the same time. And I, I think they might have diluted from each other. It was too many to have on one uh, weekend at the same time. Oh, for sure. And that's going to be one of the challenges for this year because, I mean, if if we do have cons this year, um, obviously it's going to be a shortened year. And, you know, you're going to try to pack all of these shows at once. Right now, um you have Megacon just got moved to, I believe it was August mm-hmm. 12th. And then the Tampa Bay show, the one in Tampa, was supposed to be the end of July. Mm-hmm. So you're basically talking relatively big, you know, shows two weeks apart. Not to mention Supercon in, you know, mm. in July as well, beginning of July. So it's going to get rough like this year if there is shows it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see how it's maneuvered now i've got to ask you of course no no, this is early in the year how are you planning to approach conventions this year are you going to are you going to space them out are you going to do as many as you can are you going to wait until uh, the vaccine gets further out How, how are you going to handle it so right now, um, I did I did do one show. It was um, it was in Orlando. Um, why am I blanking on the name of it? It was it was in December, and that was my first show that I did this uh, last year. The only show I did last year, um, and it was a one day show. You know, eight hours. Um, I believe those shows are going to be a lot safer um, than doing multi day. You know, twenty, thirty thousand people showing up. So I, I believe I'm gonna probably try to stick around those shows until the vaccine is available, and then you know arrange store signings and um, you know stuff stuff like that. Smaller, but you know, still, I if I can, I want to meet the fans. You know, so yeah. but have to have to be um smart about it as well yeah oh yeah you're 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 doing it really wise i think it's everybody of course there are some people i know who are just champing at the bit dying to get going but don't get me wrong i'd love to do megacon i i I was supposed to be not exhibiting but i was supposed to go to san diego last year I have tickets for San Diego this year because they rolled over. I just told them, hey, let's roll over the tickets. Mm-hmm. That's July. I I don't see it happening. I mean, mm-hmm. just that show, I mean, you're talking 140,000 people from across the world. It's going to be hard to pull off this year, but mm-hmm. hopefully. Well, uh I want to get to your book and I'll get there real quick, but I got to give you a quick word of advice on San Diego. I've been there a couple times. The first year I went, I was exhausted. I, you know, it's, it's literally all over downtown San Diego. You probably know. And there are stores that are taken over. There's a huge convention center. There's hotels nearby stuff is everywhere. And I did not start walking 
before I went there. And I, it literally took a week of me in bed to recover from San Diego the first time I did it. I got smarter after that, and I started walking before I go, just so I'm not so exhausted. Right. So I would, I would... I would encourage you walk if you can before you go because it's going to be quite a uh, an exercise to get all over the place. So that that's my advice to you. I would is what I would say. For Wish sure, yeah. I think I was there last time in 2016, 2017. Oh, okay. So oh, I've you been know there. That. I, yeah, you I know, know what to expect, but it's. Uh, you never expect exactly how much it grows every year, and oh yeah. It's nuts. It's wild. It's wild. Are you going to, uh, you're just going to uh, attend. You're not going to uh, sell. Stuff. I mean, again, it all depends now that I have, you know, the publisher I have second site um, that picked my book up last year. And, um, you know, the, the convention in Orlando was the first show I went with them. So I was, you know, officially with second site at that point in time. So, you know, if they get a booth, I, I don't know if they're going to even be selling any tables. I think everything's going to be rollovers from last year. And since mm. I didn't really, I mean, I tried, but I didn't get a table last year. I doubt that I'd be able to get one this year unless <sighs> I that's so hard to get a booth at these things. And there's a lot of people I know who don't get boots at San Diego. They just go there to get a, a ticket to go in and they kind of roam around and talk to people rather than being stuck in one location. I know. And that's, that's absolutely true. You know, I, last time I went, I didn't have my book yet. So, you know, I kind of started, I had like a preview page, I believe like first six pages of the first issue. And I just printed about maybe a hundred of these, um, what do you call them? Like pens? Yeah. Um, and I just hand them out. I gave them to some of the artists. I gave them to a couple of fans. You know, just, hey, here, this is coming. So I just kind of did that. Um, and, it, it, you know, I got some responses because obviously I had contact info and I had all of that stuff on the back. Um, of the of the Ashcan, so people reached out to me. They're like, "Hey, this looks really cool," but it didn't even have like dialogue yet. It was just like a um, couple of the character sheets, you know, something about the characters, and and couple of panels and pages, you know, from the finished book, but not layered yet. Cool. It was fun. Well, that's cool because uh, San Diego is massive it, it, it's not my favorite con my favorite con is new york never been never, oh if you ever get a chance i love new york because it's just and of course it, <laughs> a song named after it but the convention is massive and the funniest thing versus san diego everybody in san diego knows it's there because they take over downtown and not everybody's happy with that either if you go to new york and you walk three blocks away from the convention they don't know it's there (laughs) oh wow that's nuts it's so it's huge it's in this jacob javits convention center which is massive and there's all sorts of stuff going on uh if you get into like a subway or or, uh, stuff like that you'll see people wearing hulk outfits and stuff but people in new york eh, we see that all the time (laughs) (laughs) it's new york wear outfits if it's tuesday 
That's so. right. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. It's funny. But anyway, let's get talking about your book because I think that's real important to get to. You, you mentioned Second Sight. I'm, I'm curious. Did you uh, submit your book for approval by them? Is that how you got with Second Sight? Um. So I spoke with Spike, Spike Jarrell, a little bit, and he kind of um, reached out to me and and wanted me to submit. Um, it, it's and and I did. You know, I got a couple of other you know rejections and and stuff like that. I wasn't I wasn't like hundred percent sure if I wanted to get a publisher. You know, it's it's one of those things when you get so many. Um, rejection sometimes you kind of have to think on it but i'm glad that i did it they're they're a great bunch of guys i think the books all of the books i think are gonna go over gangbusters um they're actually going a previews so um i think the cutoff for previews is friday so if you guys want to get any of these books book of Lexia, of course mine you have the edge, um, and um, Lady Freedom, and a couple of other awesome, awesome titles. Definitely get to your local comic book shop and make sure they order it. Okay, now the, the bad news is this episode is going to post on Sunday, but I know for sure that Diamond is not always as rigid with the deadline dates. They kind of do that so people do it. So if people are listening on Sunday, get a hold of your comic store. Let them know you want this book as soon as you can so they can get into Diamond and tell them they want to get this book. Because uh, it's uh, it's just the, the, the way that these things go. They're, they're a lot more flexible than they make you think uh, about that. So let them know. And they should be able to, and, uh, if they need to update their order, the local shop does, then be sure to do that. Maybe we should right away say that. It's called the Book of Lyaxia, and it's spelled L-Y-A-X-I-A. And that's important to get in there. Make sure you get it spelled right, because sometimes people don't necessarily the internet being the internet not everybody spells well <laughs> so we want to make sure we get that in there so you can make sure you get uh, aaron's book of course so, i would greatly appreciate it i think um like i said it it's been a a dream project of mine for about 10 12 years i've been developing the story and and kind of changing it around and uh, developing the characters and the world um, so as as the characters grow, as the story kind of developed, um, th- that's the one thing with with this title. I did not want it to be so much a superhero title. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's it's about mythology. Um, so you have like different gods living on the on this realm called the Nexus. That um, basically. You have them separating families, so you're going to have Greek gods, Egyptian gods, Norse gods, all living together. Um, so. Now, Lyaxia is a country, right? No, no. Lyaxia is um, just, I thought it was something that I came up with. And uh, the funny thing, after I, because I looked it up after a while, after I finished my first chapter, I looked it up and the only thing that ever came up from Lyaxia was something about numerology. Hmm. And it was so odd because it had so many 
same teams. Hmm. If you look it up, it has so many different uh, same teams that my book has. It's kind of nuts. Not saying mythology, just about you know the feel of the book and uh, you know the mystery and and kind of what the events of the book are. It was just so odd when I read it the first time. Because hmm. on the first page it says Titan is the name of the thing. It's the capital of Laxia, it says on there. That's what right. made me think it was a country. It, yeah, it's so Laxia, Laxia is, um, is basically the kingdom. Um, okay. So, yeah, oh, kingdom, in, in, gotcha. a sense, in a sense, it is a country. Um, you, I thought you meant an uh, actual country in, uh, in the world. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's um, all right. But yeah, so that is that is the kingdom of Flaxia, and um, you know there there are basically three main families. There's an Egyptian one and the Greek one, and then Flaxia, which is kind of like they're kind of like kings of the gods. Okay. So their their family is basically ruling over other families and um, nothing kind of goes in an excess without their approval mm-hmm. um, and nobody likes them. So that's all I can say. Okay. Well, let me, there's a quote from, it says from the book of Laxia on the inside cover. Yes. There's an equality in the universe. It cannot be seen or measured or felt. There is no such thing as ultimate power. Many of them seek it. All of them fail. That's an interesting, I, I take it that's something you wrote, right? Yes. So each, each title, each chapter comes. Thank you so much for catching that. Um, Every single chapter starts with a quote from uh, Book of Laxia, which you you will throughout the story find out what that actually is, because it's not so much um, just a title of the book. It is a physical thing in the story, and it has, at least I think it does, it has some pretty significant uh, ramifications after you find out what it actually represents. Mm-hmm. Now, it, the story starts out, and you start off with something that I know a little something about. There's a, uh, a birth that takes place, and children are born, and they're twins. Yes. And I happen to be one of a pair of identical twins. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I, I, when I started to realize that these were, the, the, there's two characters that the story kind of centers around, and they're twins. I don't think they're identical necessarily, but they're they're twins. And I, uh, people don't understand twins. I can tell you that right now. My brother and I, people looked at us like we were some odd, strange thing, because here were two people that were somewhat similar. And, you know, they, they didn't understand, you know, how could we be so similar and yet, you know, and yet function like that? Because people are not used to having to, people always ask me, what's it like to be a twin? And I always ask them, well, what's it like not to be? Because I don't know. Right. And so I got a huge kick that the, a lot of the story centers around twins. 
it, is that some of the reason why you use twins as as these characters? It, it's because there's it's kind of a mystical thing that that not everybody gets. Um, yeah, there is definitely some mysticism about the you know about them being twins. There is more of a, a reason, story reason behind it as well. Um, that's gonna become evident toward the end of the first arc. Um, there is an event that takes place, and um, something happens that could not have happened if they weren't you know twins like that and. Um, and that was kind of one of the, one of the reasons. And I always wanted to have that, how should I put this? Like not so much conflict, but I wanted to have, even though they are identical and I have not totally identical cause they have different, you know, hairstyles and they look a little different, but, um, their personalities, I really wanted to make sure they're kind of contrasting personalities and such. Um, but there is, you know, that was kind of the reasoning behind it. And I, I was always, you know, fascinated with mysticism of, of twins, like you stated. And it was, it, it was just, um, it just worked better in a story because I've had them. Um, I had them originally written, the very, very first draft I've had them written, one of them was older than the other, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it didn't work, um, because you always, the way that I perceive things in, in that sense, like if one is older and other is younger, there's always going to be that uh, subservitude mm-hmm. issue. And I really didn't want to have that here, um, so I kind of changed that all in a in a second draft. Well, I think it's really really well done. Now, I think we should mention too that the twins' names appear to be Kronos and Deimos, right? Correct. So okay, they are um, essentially Kronos and Deimos are, you know, they're Greek titans, um, Greek gods basically a god of time and god of space. So that's essentially what they represent. And um, the the thing with this, the thing that I wanted to do with the story is that it's, it's not kind of, it is a mystery so much about the twins as they don't really want to uh, exert their power. They don't want to really show up their powers and nobody really knows exactly what they can do. And kind of there's that shock moment in, toward the middle of the first chapter where people are freaking out because of what's going on. Um, and with Deimos, I really, I'm really kind of keeping close to my, um, close to my chest because he he has um, like I said he has certain abilities and, and, and powers but I really want him to become gradual and kind of give people a gradual taste of it until it actually um, hits the fan it's really interesting and are they rulers basically or is one of them a ruler how's this working with them so they're basically uh, both both are princes. 
Um, their father is a ruler of the basically the king. Um, you don't see him in a first chapter. You know, he's you see him at the beginning. I believe it was page two. You see him like before they're born. You know, sitting on a throne. So that's the father. Um, but there is this whole. There is a whole mystery behind their father, behind their family, behind everybody that's um, that's interconnected with them. Everything in this story is connected with another thing, in a sense that my idea and my hope, my hope, I, I can't. It's it's up to a reader to decide, but my my idea for this story is to basically. Have there's a lot of twists and turns in there, but by the end of it, and there's gonna be six chapters, and then uh, one chapter that's called Hades, um, Birth of a God, which is kind of like um, I really hate calling it Book of Lexia num- number zero, but essentially it takes place before all of this, and that's gonna be out later this year as well. Um, and it's all interconnected. And by the end of it, by the end of the sixth chapter, I want to make sure that the people understand that it just feels and they understand it as a one complete story with not as many holes as, well, hopefully no holes. Uh, <laughs> but that's always impossible when you write something like this. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, more of a fantasy setup. Yeah, so I wanted to have like a fantasy mythology. Um, there is, you know, science is going to be, you know, science fiction because I wanted it. It, it kind of feels like it's in space with the colors and the vibrancy and, and all of it. Um, but it's not, in essence, it's not a science fiction story. It's more like science fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's fantasy, mythology, um, action, mystery. Um, that that's how I would I would place it. And I also I, I never never really wanted to put it in. Everybody keeps asking me, "What is this rated?" And it, I always struggle with that answer because I hate limiting myself. And um, each one chapter can be a little bit more adult than the chapter before it, or not. But I want the I want it to feel natural. I want it to feel like a progression of something, and I don't want to limit um, anything really. I mean, if if the chapter you know demands. If the chapter, if the events demanded to be a little bit more gruesome than the chapter before it, it's gonna be. Um, and and that was kind of one of the one of the hard sells to the to the publishers. And and second sight, like I said, they they believed in a story, and mm-hmm. I told them, you know, I told them what my vision for it was, and and they were like, "That's cool. Let's let's roll with it." Mm. So. Cool. Because there's there's a panel in this first issue. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that uh, they're not going to be able to fight anymore. This one person, 
Yes, there's, there's that. <laughs> so there's that one there. So that may be why they're asking you that. Is, uh, you're probably not going to have that kind of event every issue. No. But it, it does. It's not something I'm sure really young kids should should be exposed to but no i have i wouldn't i I mean if i had to put it you know i would say 14 15 year olds they're Mm -hmm. they're okay um Mm -hmm. nothing extremely graphic i mean it's not sin city so um Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know it's um but yeah there are definitely scenes there are definitely events one instant of language in the second mm-hmm. issue but okay it was just because i it was natural and when you see the panel and when you read it you'll understand why that was said and it just because i wrestled with that i used i used that word and i'm like i don't really use this language anywhere else in a book and i'm like by that's exactly how I would react if somebody did that to me and, and, you know, it just felt natural. So I just kept it in there. Hmm. It's so interesting. Now, I, I do have to ask you, are you the one that found the artist? Yes. So um, funny story about that. Um, originally, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ali Garza, but he was supposed to be, you know, doing the book. And um, he was busy, and you know the price point did not um, price point in him being busy were to um, sticking points to say the least. And he introduced me to this artist, Andy Bakurizo, um, that did the first three issues and a part of the issue four. Um, I'm getting a new artist as well uh, for the. End of four, five, six, and Hades. Um, so there's going to be two different artists. This they're both fantastic. Andy was just you know busy and just um the you know just had to. He's still going to be doing the covers for the issues. You know he's doing the character designs and all of that because I wanted that feel to stay there. But for the book, um, you know. At the end of the issue four and going forward, it's going to be this new artist and he's phenomenal. I can't, you know, they're both are. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's cool. So, uh, well, it's good to see. Are there styles somewhat similar? Yes. So, um, kind of hard to, uh, kind of hard to show over a, you know, podcast like this, but his of name course. is Fabrizio Constantino. Um, so you can, they're both, I really kind of wanted to have that kind of like anime and manga feel to it without it feeling too much like anime mm-hmm. or manga. Right. They kind of both feel that way. Um, and that was kind of one of my hardest points because I'm exactly like you. If I have to change a story, if I have to change an artist, um, I want to make sure that it's not constructing too much. I want it to be semi-similar and it feels like a natural progression. Good. So I, I believe that um, I, I believe I achieved that. So mm-hmm. 
Good. Well, that's a good thing. As long as they're somewhat similar, because sometimes the people choose an artist, and there was a book uh, that I read one time, and they switched artists in the middle of the, the story, and I didn't even notice it because the style was so similar, and I was like, oh, well, I didn't even know that you changed because that was so – you picked somebody who was so close to the other guy, and I like that. I'd rather that it goes that way, so I think you've done a good thing with that. I think that's great. The first issue is 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 ready to be, or I, I take it from the, the the time now that it's coming at this time, so that'll be March that we're expecting the first issue to hit, right? Correct. So you'll be able to get the first issue at the stores. I believe it's March third. March third is the release oh, date. Early in the month. Well, that's good. That'll be great. And it looks like, according to the cover that I've got, it's only going to be two ninety nine, right? Um, I believe so um that's a a great question for a second because uh because a lot of books these days are 399 and i i bought a lot of books recently that are more than that so 299 is a good selling point (laughs) like i said i I think um i think so there may be 399 i'm not quite sure because that was um uh, again that's a great question (laughs) for a second Right. Well, you know, it's it's the, the, these days it's hard to know exactly how much a book is going to cost because there's all over the place. But you know, uh, it, it's if they're going to do that, it's a smart thing to start with a lower price in issue one, so you get more people buying it, and then raise the price maybe up to three ninety nine for the second there on. That might be a way to do it. I mean, that's that's my guess, but uh, we'll see what Second Sight has in mind because. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to be something. The thing I can tell you about my books, I you know, I can speak for my title and and the page counts and stuff like that. And um, there is a page count that actually increases in issue uh, three. Issue three, you get more pages of the story. Issue four, you get even more pages. Issue five, you get even more pages. <laughs> Issue six, I'm, I'm currently writing, and that's going to be interesting to see where um, where that ends. Since that's the finale, they, they will, like, go all out. I'm like, don't say that to me. Don't mm-hmm. say that to me, because um, <laughs> I need to know how to edit this. But it's, um, I have... You know, I already wrote the template of who exactly everything that needs to happen. I just kind of have to put it in there and be done. Okay. Well, cool. It, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun to read because it's got a – I have to be honest with you. As much as I love my superheroes, I also like something a little different with that too. So I think that would be kind of fun to – to see how that goes. So it looks good. Um, before we go out, I, I, I move on to other things. I did want to read the description of it from the previews. It's in previews world. Cause I think this might help a little bit. It says, so welcome to the world of Nexus world of gods from different mythologies, Greek, Egyptian, Norse, Roman gods living together. Join Kronos, Deimos and Kronos two twin royal brothers while they try to find where they belong on this realm, what their destiny is. In the first issue of a coup in Capital of the Gods, Titan, a coup against twins is underway and a mysterious figure comes onto the scene that is attempting to guide one of the twins toward his destiny. 
I think that kind of, uh, I'd like to give as much of the story as I can. So that I think is going to be helpful. Now, in there, they have it at $399. So it may be the, the version you gave me was a preliminary one, and it's actually going to be $399. So just FYI. Okay. That's yeah, so good to know. Yeah. But yeah, now I have wanted to, and th- there is that mystery figure. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Right. You read right. the book. Um, mm-hmm. And that's. That's going to be, um, like I said, it's going to be very interesting. I, I can't wait to see what people think once that's actually fully revealed. Now, who did the cover? Because there's it looks like a painted cover on this book. I believe the the cover that I gave you was Kenneth Rockefort, the artist okay. that did um, Hunter Killer for. Um, yes, Stockholm. You're right. Um, you're right. And um, he also did, like, Superman. He did Teen Titans. He did some wow. other stuff. It's a very nice cover. It's it's uh, it's definitely uh, – it's a little more artsy. The, the book, of course, most comics inside is a little less detailed, but the cover has a lot of detail to it. So it's kind of cool looking. I really like the way it looks. Yeah, that's um – that is the main cover of the of the book. So when you go to the stores, that is gonna be the cover that um, that everybody can get. And then there's gonna be like a fun cover that um, Andy Bakariza, the the artist of the book, did as well. And it's it's just a fun cover um, of the twins basically chasing this uh, big bunny through the forest. <laughs> just wanted to do something completely out of the left field. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, it's great fun to do those kinds of things. I think it's a, a lot of fun. I think we can use a little more variety in our storytelling. So I think it's great. And of course, the twin business gets me right away. I, I know <laughs> what twins go through. So I think that's kind of a cool thing about that. I, I am curious as to why it uh, on the cover, it calls it the second verse. Is there, uh, what's that about? Is that, so, is there a line of fantasy comics or something they're doing? Is that what this is about? So they have, um, that's a second site, um, moniker. They have a second, a second verse, which is kind of like, um, I believe they did that as a fantasy and a sci-fi. Um, they're going to have a horror line and they're going to have a hero line. So each one of them are going to be, um, Called something a little bit different, um, but that's just a moniker um, for the second site for like that specific line of books. Cool. And yeah, there's that way they can kind of, I believe, market the book a little bit better, you know, having, you know, kind of like having an adult version of something like. I'm not comparing it to to that, but let's say DC and Vertigo had their own thing. Um, it's still DC technically, but Vertigo was its own separate entity. Yeah. It's like an imprint, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. So that's going to be fun. Is is this the first second verse book that's coming out? I believe you know? this is the first one. Okay, um, so you're you're kicking it off. That's great. Great to do. It's a great book. It looks like it's going to be fun, and I think people will like it. I like stuff with a little variety to it, and I like something very different. I like the the picture of Titan, which has two A's in it, has some floating uh, 
parts of the city and the air and stuff. I really like the artwork. It's really cool too. So. Right. And that's, and that's one of those kind of things that when you see that first page, you're like, okay, is this a fantasy? Is this sci-fi? Cause it could have both of those. It has that vibe, you know, like almost like a floating city. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to have that, um, kind of feel because even on the panels, when the emissaries, when the people are coming to train, you kind of have this kind of like, looks like a landing pad. And, um, you see the people coming out of these, um, shapes and stuff like that. So it's, I kind of wanted to leave it ambiguous to obviously more fantasy, but there's definitely science involved and, and technology and, and, even that's going to be a part of the mystery. It's, there's a lot of, lot of moving parts, but I hope it all comes together because, um, like I said, it, it came together in my head. Now it's depending if it's going to come out or come together on paper. <laughs> well, good. I think that'll be great. So the, the first one is March 3rd. Are they going to be monthly after that? I believe, um, I believe it's going to be every two months. Um, two months, okay. Yeah, okay. every two months. Um, as long as we know ahead of time and we can plan for it, that that's a good way to do it, so we know. So, yeah, it's really good. I, I love one of the things I noticed about the twins is that they kind of refer to each other by their first letter. Sometimes, yeah. Because, you know, twins, because it's we have our own language <laughs> that we speak to each other. You know, the certain things that we do, and it's, you know, I, if I said this some stuff I say to him to somebody else, they wouldn't understand what it is. Right. But because we have had the same experience, we understand that. And sometimes we have our own little <laughs> little ways of speaking with each other. And that's, I, I thought that was a good, uh, a great way to do that, to kind of show how uh, twins interact with each other. I really like that. That was a cool way to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, so, yeah so this is going to be on, uh, this will be coming out on March 3rd. So you might want to make sure you get right away as soon as you hear this. Get a hold of your local shop and tell them the Book of Lyaxia, L-Y-A-X-I-A. And you're going to want to get that in there from Second Sight Publishing. And make sure that they order that for you. They, As much as they like to say you've only got a hard deadline, often Diamond is a little more flexible than that. But as soon as you get it in there, the better you're likely to, to get it. So be sure to do that. Now, are there other books you're working on, Aaron, or is this kind of keeping you busy? So right, this is really keeping me busy right now. I'm I'm kind of finishing the. I'm still writing the final chapter of it, um, and preparing. Actually, I'm going to be doing. I, all of these books got funded through Kickstarter. Uh, the first three and the fourth one's actually going to be on Kickstarter uh, this upcoming Friday. Yeah, it launches Friday. Yeah. Or the end of January. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it launches Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Um, and the way that I'm doing it, I'm going to have some exclusive covers that, you know, Second Sight have their own covers. And this is going these covers you're going to be only be able to get from me, either through, you know, Kickstarter like this. Some of them are going to be Kickstarter exclusives. And the other ones I'm going to bring to the shows. But for Diamond and for, um, you know, Second Sight, they'll have their own covers for the book. So mm-hmm. Cool. Now, this we're actually recording this a little early just so people know that when this posts on Sunday, 
the Kickstarter will already be underway. It started on Friday, and so this will be, be underway. To, so look for the Book of Lyaxia on the Kickstarter, and be sure to support it there so that uh, we can get more of these good things going. So that's good. Now, Aaron, if people want to follow you on social media, how do they do that? Um, the easiest way, so I'm on Facebook. You can either um, look up Book of Lyaxia group or a comic page or just look up my name and um, – you know, talk to me on Facebook. On Instagram, it's basically my name again. And for uh, Twitter, it's Book of Laxia is my Twitter handle. Cool. So. cool. Very good. Very good. These are all going to be good things. I think you're going to enjoy it, especially if you're looking for a little variety in your reading like I do. I love variety. I, As much as I love my long johns and my superheroes, I want some other kinds of storytelling, too. And this is going to be one of those kinds of books I think that will scratch that itch really well. So, Aaron, it's great to talk with you, and I wish you much success with this. I hope that Second Sight does a real great job and, and gets these out to everybody, and they really enjoy this book, and there's a big future for the book of Lyaxia. And the, hopefully the Kickstarter will be a big success, too, because uh, I know how Kickstarters can help make good books available to the public, and I think that's a, something we need to do. So check it out on Kickstarter, and be sure to let your store know that you want the Book of Lyaxia. And Aaron, I wish you much success, and I look forward to seeing the stuff you're going to do. You as well. You as well. Um, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for having me. And um, like I said, I really I hope this year, 2021, is a lot better for everybody else so we can meet at the shows again and, and have some geek fun together. And that's it for this week. Be back next time. We'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.